even if a deal does get done, it's not a sure thing. So yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. But in my opinion, the, the faster something gets uh, gets done, the better. Oh, what a time for golf. Tons, tons, I say, happening in the game right now. Huge breaking news just before we hit record of Rory McIlroy resigning from the PGA Tour Policy Board. So we're going to be reacting to that on this week's episode of The Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. That plus so much more. So strap yourselves in, sit back, relax. If you're sitting on a plane, I'd like to think you're already strapped in. That's just good safety practice in general. If you're in a car, you 100% should be strapped in. The strapped in comment was more for people who aren't in a moving vehicle because again just good safety practice what is happening what is going on anyway good morning hello good afternoon good evening or good night whatever it is the latest episode of the bunker podcast michael McEwen here thank you very much for tuning in like i say there is, is rather a lot that we need to discuss and so with no further ado, I'm going to bring in the the gruesome twosome, <laughs> because there is no better expression for them. First up, Bunkered Editor Bryce Ritchie. Hello, welcome. Hello, how are we? I'm really discombobulated because we've had to turn our tables around. Discombobulated. Yeah, good word, by the way. It's a you get word, a lot, yeah. of, lot of points in Scrabble for that. Uh-huh. Not that you For some Scrabble. discombobulation. Even more points. Yeah. yeah. We've had to turn our tables around in the recording studio this week because... Frankly, I've, I've made a bit of a balls up with the technical aspect. Yes, yes, that is it. That's Cabling it. and so on. So I'm now facing the wrong way. Bryce is facing the wrong way and I'm completely thrown. You were also, I should point out that completely thrown last week when uh, I should say, dear listeners, that Michael thought he was going to die last week on our flight to London. Oh my word. Had a bit of a wobble on the plane. Woo! As those who know, Michael doesn't like flying. I had a wobble. The plane had a yeah, wobble. The plane had quite a serious wobble, and it was it was quite funny. Was it though? Yeah, a bit of a moment. The woman next to me put her hand on my arm. She was that scared. She needed a bit of comforting. She was flirting. She was. She was also about seventy, but I'll take anything I can they, get. They can flirt but at seventy. Absolutely, still allowed. Uh, and we're going on a flight tomorrow, so a- we could uh, app idea Tinder for over seventies. <laughs> yeah. So you could that already exists. Does it? So you Shit. could probably discombobulate tomorrow as well in the flight. So yeah. So yeah. It was all a good laugh. Was it though? It was for me. I uh-huh. did quite enjoy it. Wasn't anyway. the wasn't the best thing that I've ever experienced. Alex, are you uh, are you a happy flyer? Are you any sort of near death moments? No, I'm 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 a good flyer. I, it's the taking off I don't like. It's that feeling of leaving the ground. I'm not a big fan of. Once I'm in the air, I'm fine. But yeah. No, I've had I had coming back from Northern Ireland, I think. And I, there's only two times where I've flown on those tiny little propeller planes. Uh, one was flying back after the Troon Open in 16. I went down to um, Exeter and back to the southwest for a few days. So I flew from Glasgow to Exeter on one of those oh, twin wooden planes. Basically, yeah, basically a paper airplane. Um, <laughs> and I came back from one. Uh, Northern Ireland, I came back to Manchester on one last year, I think. And... We were delayed because there was snow in Manchester and Leeds. This was April, by the way. Um, there was snow in Manchester and Leeds area. So I was just like, yep, yeah, good, brilliant. Let's go and land in some snow. That's never gone wrong for anyone. <laughs> and I was looking out and the, the guy sat next to me. I'm not joking. I was, sat, I, was I looked out and I said, oh. And he went, oh, are you okay? And I went, yeah, yeah no, fine. I just, um, propeller plane. Makes me a bit nervous. I, I, I was making small talk. I was being nice. 
And similar to what you just said there, Bryce, this guy put his hand on my knee, never met him before. He's literally just sat down next to me and he went, it's okay. If you need to hold me, you can hold me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, flying. You know what? I got over it. I had a really, you know this, Bryce, I had a really chronic fear of flying, like a really chronic fear of flying. I actually wrote about this in a couple of issues ago in Bunkered. Couldn't cope with it at all. And I managed to get over it by taking lots and lots of drugs, like legal drugs, over-the-counter diazepam, washed it down with some alcohol. Cocaine. <laughs> no. Fentanyl. No. <laughs> painting a rather bleak but you got over it i did and then last week i'm not gonna lie it's kind of thrown me back a little bit i woke up in the middle of the night knowing that this flight's coming up tomorrow the same flight so it was a thursday from glasgow to heathrow at 6 50 it'll probably be from gate 21 Uh and i'm just going again no i'm I'm the same i don't like i don't like taking off and to be honest this sounds a bit uh, generic but we shouldn't fly we shouldn't we yeah. shouldn't be in the air in these things that are going at 600 miles an hour, whatever. 30,000 feet it's above. Not, the, yeah. Let's be honest, it's not normal. It is not normal. And I, and I don't like it. And that's the bit I think about for the duration of the flight. I'll try not to remind you of that at 6.55 uh-huh. tomorrow. I'm sure. Anyway. I'm sure. Enough, enough plane chat. I can't I can't cope much longer. Let's, let's talk about Rory. His resignation from the PGA Tour Policy Board kind of came out of left field this morning or rather overnight we've all walked into it i don't think any of us necessarily saw that coming equally i'm not sure any of us are hugely surprised maybe you guys are we'll get into it in a second but long story short in a memo issued to players by pga tour commissioner jay monaghan he loves a memo to his players was revealed that rory had immediately resigned after a quote unprecedented period of turbulence. Fucking hell, they're back on the flight chat already. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, during, oh my word. That, Do it I, again. I, pretend it was deliberate. Pretend it was deliberate. Make it smooth, smooth it out. Come on. I'd, I'd like the pilot to smooth it out. That would, that would make my life so much easier. I swear to God, though, it's stuff like that that I read too much into. Final destination. Correct. No, no. It's like yeah, yeah. there are signs. See if I got on the plane tomorrow and the little tray table, the pin comes out of that i'm getting off the plane well the guy next to you is reading a rory issue or something yeah exactly there there are always signs people pay attention to signs anyway rory resigned after an unprecedented period of etc during his time at the top table the memo said rory's resignation letter which he sent to the full board clearly stated that the difficult decision was made due to professional and personal commitments Rory's insight has been instrumental in helping shape the success of the tour and his willingness to thoughtfully voice his opinions has been especially impactful. Blah, 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 blah. So, Rory, gone. Alex, come to you first. Immediate reaction to that news, because you shared it in our WhatsApp chat this morning when you were up at the crack of dawn. When you saw that news break, what was your immediate reaction? I think... I mean, my eyes had barely been open for five minutes, but I think I just saw it went, yeah, sounds about right. It's my, something hasn't been right with Rory for some time, has it? He's, he spent the last two years being Jay Monaghan's full guy, his mouthpiece. And do you know what? I think, I think he's just gone. I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Like I've got this, I've got this new project with TGL. I want to throw myself into that because that he keeps telling us that's the future of, you know, of of how he's going to be represented in the game. And 
a missing major aside, he's had another fantastic year. We're going to talk about the race to Dubai later, but he's you know just been confirmed as the winner of that on Sunday. He might be sitting back and just going, I don't need these distractions. If he can have the season that he's had, he's had two good years, remember. If he can have that season that he's had now without all these distractions, then what can he do without those distractions? Maybe He, he might just be thinking, do you know what? I just want to win another major. I'm just going to concentrate on that. I don't obviously don't know what the personal things are. I suspect the personal things are, do you know what, Monaghan? I've been your full guy for too long. I'm absolutely fed up with it. Jay Monaghan is the absolute epitome of that kind of middle-class guy who's just landed in a job that's just way above his station. Uh, I think I've got to the point now where it's like Monaghan probably needs to go as well. But, and, and oh, thanks for catching up. That. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the table, Alex. <laughs> We've been expecting you. But yeah, I, I think McElroy's just like... And, and also there's this uh, extra thing with the Patrick Cantley uh, mm. argument as well. Obviously, McElroy did this big interview in the Irish Independent last week where he referred to Cantley as a dick, and which in itself was a bit of a surprise. I, I didn't ex- quite expect him to do that. Um, how yeah, is it when I, everyone speaks to... Sorry, but and how is it when everyone speaks to Paul Kimmage? They change their language and they say things they would never say to anyone else. Does he get them drunk? He's just that good. Paul Kimmage. Phenomenal. Oh, genius, Every Absolutely bit of work unreal. he does, he think that's brilliant. Yeah, phenomenal. The guy pretty much, him and David Walsh took down Lance Armstrong. And even when everyone was saying, let it go, he's not cheating, they went, ah, he is. And they made it a personal mission. They are exceptional journalists. I think Paul Kimmage is awesome. But yeah, Alex makes a good point there, Bryce. He talks about Rory being like Jay Monaghan's fall guy. Rory himself, earlier this year, as we know, referred to himself as feeling a bit like a sacrificial lamb. And in Dubai this week, he was asked whether he's enjoyed his time on the policy board. This was before the resignation announcement came through. And he said, not particularly, no. Not what I signed on for whenever I went onto the board. The, pro- the game of professional golf has been in flux for the last two years. Are you surprised that he's decided to walk away? No, not really. I think this is more of a, f- a reflection of what is to come for Rory next year and not necessarily what has happened. To be fair, he get caught. <laughs> he get caught up in all the board chat at a time where no one knew this was coming. No, it was unprecedented uh, happenings in golf that no one saw coming. And he's right in the thick of it. And yeah, Alex is right. He was a fall guy. And he, he clearly hasn't liked it. But I do think this is more about where Rory sees himself. Interesting comment at the Ryder Cup in the winner's press conference after where he talked about, you know, I might not have too many Ryder Cups down the mm-hmm. line. Yeah. So Rory is well aware of his time frame in golf. And I just wonder whether he's thinking... Time to knuckle down. I've done a lot yeah. of chat about stuff that's not about my uh, iron play from the middle of the fairway <laughs> and why I'm finding more more fairways with my driver and my putting needs to improve and I'm on a winning streak. He's not having those conversations. Mm. You never really hear Rory talk about stuff like that. I think you might next year. I wonder if he's going to be a little bit quieter, focus more in his golf. And to be honest, I could be only be good for golf. You well, want you want Rory it. flying. Yeah. <sighs> course I, th- I think that the fewer distractions any player has got the yeah. better you'd expect them to play i think rory's done exceptionally well to produce the results that he has to win the titles that he has to win the money lists and order of merits that he has with all this stuff going on in the background i think it's testament to just how damn good he is particularly considering that he went into all this 
at the start of the policy board stuff, not playing particularly well. It comes out of COVID and his game kind of disintegrates, goes off down the Bryson rabbit hole, ends up in a total mess, ripping his shirt open. To turn that around with all this noise, hugely that, that, impressive. That, that, that is a very good point because before COVID, he was unbelievably good. His, his run was sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's lacking he's lacking that title that everyone wants him to win, which is a major championship. And I think he's really realised that, may, I'm not saying time is running out, but he's well aware of his time frame and his age, mm-hmm. where he sits in his career. And he's maybe thinking, right, I'm going to knuckle down and, and spend the next five years concentrating on me. And when you're a part of decision-making, uh, live content and partnerships and that... To be fair, that's not what a professional golfer is all about. Yes, he can have his say in it, but he doesn't want to be front and centre. Mm-hmm. So it's a good decision. I think so too. Do you think? Do you think Tiger's had any influence on this? Do you think whether uh, you know directly or indirectly? I wonder if McIlroy's looking at Tiger Woods, who obviously has joined the board this year, and he's just gone. Do you know what? Uh, or he, maybe even Tiger said it to him. He said, "Look, Rory, don't worry about it now." Concentrate on winning majors. When you're 47 and you can't walk like me, that's when you can start making a change in the game. Effectively, I've got this. You go and do what yeah, I was doing exactly. when I was your age. Yeah, exactly. Quite possibly. I mean, the thing is, we can we can draw a lot of conclusions. We can jump to a lot of conclusions. There is, you know, the journalist in me is saying, what's prompted this? Has there been a falling out? Is there something coming down the line, part of the framework agreement or otherwise, that he's fundamentally opposed to? Because it does seem strange that he's been so vocal, so involved, that TGL is so inextricably linked to the PGA Tour, and he's going, nah, now I'm stepping away. I also noticed in the Telegraph, James Corrigan reporting that he's planning to move back to the UK. I mean, maybe that's part of it. He can't... I, I don't know. We can draw a lot of conclusions and jump to them, like I say, but for me, there is one part that we haven't discussed yet, because we've spoken a lot about Rory and the hows and whys and what's in his head. What must Jay Monaghan be thinking, Bryce? Let's look at it from his point of view. We've all acknowledged that Rory has been the heat shield for him over the last couple of years. He's just lost one of his biggest, most vocal and most influential allies. Did did make me think who's going to step into that that role. And <laughs> Rory was a bit of a heat shield for Monaghan. And there is no doubt that he did a lot of talking that really should be Jay's job. Jay Monaghan's role, I know uh, Alex is saying, you know, he should step down. So and a few players have said that. He absolutely cannot step down. Why is that? Because it would create absolute turmoil. You would need somebody else to step in and finish what he has started. They're in the middle of a absolutely huge, what could be cultural change to the future of the PGA Tour. The guy cannot walk away from that right now. And if you bring somebody else in, you've got a fresh set of eyes on what is already a complete mess. So it looks as though they're not going to meet their framework deadline. If they don't meet that framework deadline, the suggestions are that they're still going to keep trying to get something going. So there's a partnership there that they want to work. There's all sorts of stuff in the background about other big American companies mm. being asked to step in so they don't need PIF. And it is behind the scenes, it has to be a massive shit show. <laughs> but he cannot, I mean, if you're being paid all that money, you really cannot just walk away from that because you don't like the heat. That's what the, that is why he's paid that money. 
10 Downing Street is probably a new concept and you guys create a lot of chaos and and shit up and go back then we're not talking about politics (laughs) but there is an element of you need to finish to get the job done and I think he he, he might get kicked out by the players and then more than more players are coming out saying his job's pretty ropey his position's untenable yeah I think I think Jay's future will be decided by the outcome of what they're working Mm. on right now whether it is tied in with Liv or Piff, whatever you want, or Aramco, or whether they create a new World Golf Championship sponsored by Aramco, something like that. I think his his success in bringing that together and where whether players are happy will dictate whether he's going to leave or not. Yeah, no, you're probably right. I think that it's one of those ones, yes, he probably needs to see the job through now. The way I've maybe oversimplified it in my head is that he has been a wartime leader there will be a period of peace that follows this, hopefully, Jesus. And he can't do both, I don't think. So I think he might get to a point, say, here it is, it's sorted, it's fixed. Now it's time for somebody else to pick up the baton. We'll see. Speaking of Rory, as Alex mentioned, he is, for the fifth time, the race to Dubai champion. Max Homer's win in the Ned Bank last week in South Africa meant that he has wrapped up the season-long standings with a week to spare. He cannot be caught at this week's DP World Tour Championship. A little bit of gnashing of teeth, I should say, or peril clutching or whatever you want to call it over that, because Rory has only played nine counting events on the DP World Tour this year, of which these are the only non-major, non-WGC ones. The Dubai Desert Classic, the Genesis Scottish Open, the Irish Open, and the PGA Championship. One, two, three, four, you would call regular DP World Tour events. Alex, do you see any include, issue there? Sorry, are you including the Scottish Open in there? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Two wins, it has to be said. <laughs> yeah. Dubai and Scotland. Alex, are you seeing any issue necessarily with Rory winning it with, you know, playing so little? No, well, look, you mentioned his two victories there, but I think that's actually underselling it a little bit. I mean... Look, I'm just going to read out those results. First, third, let's take out the tied 60th and missed cut of the Masters. Tied 7th, second, first, tied 6th, tied 16th, tied 7th. It's an unbelievable season. The player with the most points at the end of the season wins the season-long race. I I don't understand why it has to be an argument. We, we, We seem so obsessed with this. I want to say American system where everything has to be so contrived. Every we have to have playoffs. So let's get the top four, top eight, or whatever, and then playoffs. put them into some playoffs. No, the fir- the the person who wins the season long standings wins them. I don't under if Rory McIlroy wins the race to Dubai with five thousand points from nine tournaments over a player who has earned say three thousand points from twenty. That's just the way it is. You can't reward mediocrity. You can't say a player that has played more events, deserves to win over someone who's played fewer but gained more points. I don't, I don't understand the argument. Am I missing something? Bryce, is he? No, I, I don't think so. I think Rory's average finish in those events is 11th. If you go back to Monte, when Monte like won in, what did he win, seven in a row? I think so, I think yeah. his average finish is anything from 30th to 40th to 50th. It's not, his stroke average is not, uh, what Rory's stroke average is, Rory's stroke average is 68 point something. I don't think Monty was getting near that, although it wasn't registered from, I think, 99 on, uh, before 1999. So it's hard to check that. But the standard of golf 
Rory has played in that spell is massive. Then compare it back to Monty again. Rory's played nine events. Monty was playing anything between 20 and 27 events. So obviously, the average finish is going to be higher. But there is something that thinks he's only played nine events in that sense. Personally, I don't think that's enough. But you've got to realise that the, the world of golf is not... It's not 1994 here. They have to work a way to get Rory and John Ram and the top players to cover some European Tour events or DP World, whatever you want to call it. We're not going to get back to the days of when they would play 18 to 20, mm-hmm. 21 events. Maybe, maybe they might get 22. It's just not going to happen. When, when you say it's not enough, what would you like it to be if nine's I, not enough? Nine's not enough. I, I, I would like to see him play, to be honest, 13, 14 it's not a huge amount. He's played four, if I'm right in saying, I think you yeah, said yeah. at the beginning, he's played four bog standard events. Regular European DP World Tour yeah. events. Yeah. That isn't very much mm-hmm. for a guy that is a DP World Tour member. However, he cannot underestimate the power of Rory playing in those four events. It's huge. Tiger didn't play in a lot of those. He played, Tiger played one Scottish Open event, I think, in his entire career. Mm-hmm. He didn't play in any, uh, much else, unless he was getting paid, you know, <laughs> Dubai and so on. But but when he played in those events, they became big events. So Rory playing in Dubai, Tiger playing in Dubai has elevated those events to huge status. It's uh, It's, bear with me when I say this, right? But... I kind of wish he would do what Patrick Reed does. Patrick Reed plays around the world. He he does that, and he is a big name, whether you like him or not. That guy does play out of his comfort zone. I just wish some tour players would add two or three more events mm-hmm. to their schedule. But look at what's happening in the world of golf now. Look at what's going on next year. Tuesday nights are gone. Well, Monday and Tuesday nights might mm, be gone yep. for, what, 15 times? They've got all sorts of new events playing in. They're going to have more contracted, you must play in this event. So they're they're a bit more restricted. So ironically, the whole live thing was talking about giving players the freedom to do what they want and giving them time. That is actually not what Rory's getting. They're actually being scheduled to play a lot more. You must play here because it's worth this. You cannot skip this because it's worth this. So golf is like, when you're at the top table, Yes, you're playing for mega millions, but you don't have a, actually a huge amount of options. It's very true. And I actually think if you were to look at Rory's record over the last four years, like four proper years, take the two COVID ones out, he's played a hell of a lot of regular DP World Tour events. From Dubai to Abu Dhabi to Alfred Dunhill Links, he's been at. He played the Italian Open last Irish. year. The Irish. He's played the European Masters. Rory has added value back in. Maybe not to the extent that some people want, but let's be realistic. Rory's one of the best players in the world. Maybe the best. The best players in the world should be playing in the PGA Tour. Unless they want to go and play in live, which he doesn't. That is where the best golfers are. The PGA Tour, that's where there's the most money. That's where there's the most world ranking points. Rory would be doing himself a disservice and it would be to his own detriment to play more on the DP World Mm. Tour. Which is just, it sucks. I, I love the European Tour. But I I think by their own admission, they're probably quite pleased that Rory plays as many for as he does. To the original point, is it a sign of a broken system? Nobody complains when football teams win leagues with months to spare, with multiple games to spare. It's just a sign of it's relative dominance. It's rife across sport that some parts of uh, 
uh, a sport are not what they used to be. Let's be honest, the FA Cup in England, it's not as big a deal as it used no, to be. It, it just doesn't. Let's ask Alex that, as, yeah. a, as, as the token Englishman. <laughs> token. Is, is the FA Cup a big deal? I, I know that you support a non-league club who for whom uh, a first or second round journey in the FA Cup is probably a huge deal. But is it as big a deal as it once was, the FA Cup? Yeah, I think I, it's one of those things, isn't it? I don't know if it's, this is just like a, everything was better in my day, nostalgia kind of trip. But obviously, I don't know what it was like for north of the border, but down here, FA Cup final day was the coverage started at seven o'clock in the morning uh, yeah. with the match at with the match at three o'clock. And you know, me and Remember my mates that? would we would get up on a Saturday, we'd be at one of our houses, and you know, we'd be getting fired up for it. Didn't matter who was playing. I mean, it helped that. Obviously, I grew up in Devon, so everyone was a Man United fan in the nineties, so, and, and they were, and they were, Ooh. and they were in a lot of finals. So it was easy. Like there was all, generally like one of us, you know, had some sort of uh, something to look forward to in terms of having a team in the match. But it, for me, like Michael's right. Obviously, I support a lower league team, so the FA Cup is something. Obviously, apart from promotion, the FA Cup is the one I look forward to. I I, I get absolutely buzzing for a run. And then we get knocked out by Tombridge Angels in the fourth qualifying round, and I hate football again. But like, <laughs> knocked you know, out by who? The Tombridge Angels. Come oh on. yeah, you know, yeah. You know Tombridge. Yeah. Um, they got to the semi-finals of the Intertotal Cup in the nineteen seventies. It's near. They wouldn't have been anywhere near the Intertotal <laughs> Cup. Don't be silly. Um, but you know, like that. You know, Torquay. In my lifetime, Torquay have played Tottenham Hotspur. They played Birmingham City when they were a Premier League team. Yeah, these are the the things you look forward to is that that cup run and, and sort of when it when it goes it is deflating mm-hmm. and yeah I look, I love the FA Cup as much as I always have um, I don't like the fact that you know Chelsea and Arsenal and Man City are winning it every year but I still adore the competition uh, and I think it's sort of similar with golf I, I I'm the same I, I I think it's time we just get over the fact that the DP World Tour is, I'm not going to say feeder tour, but a stepping stone I, I totally agree. to the PGA Tour. Totally agree. Just, there's nothing, just, just get over it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with where the DP World is right now. It's a bloody good tour. It's better than what else is out there. Like, no offence, but it, but it is. Um, it has always been second. Pretty much always mm. been. There might have been a point in the eighties where there was a few. It closed the gap, but yeah. never overtook. But it was. It's always been second, and it, it, at the moment, it's well protected. You know, everyone's running over uh, the fear that you know there's ten players that are all going to go to the states and and they're all going to disappear. They're not going to disappear. They will still play DP World events because they want to play Ryder Cup. They're mm-hmm. most likely to be European players. That's the carrot that the DP World will never lose. So it's, it isn't the end of the world. And what it might do is make some of those players a bit more of a global status and you yep. get bigger stars. Elevate them. Like, yeah, yep. that, that's what you want. Absolutely. So just on Rory quickly, is he a deserving winner of the race to Dubai this year? Bryce, yes or no? Oh, 100% yes. Alex? Yep. There we go. So that brings me to the DP World Tour on a whole day, which I think we're, we're getting into a little bit, but the season is finishing up with the, the Tour Championship in Dubai this week. I have to be honest, it's never been an event that's grabbed me by the, the bollocks and made me go, this this is a big deal. Not not really in the same way even as the Tour Championship in the States. Now, I should add, people will be listening to this going, oh, wait a minute, you slag off the FedEx Cup for being contrived, and it is, but it is very successful with the contrived drama it creates. And why is that? 
big names playing. One hundred percent. That's what the DP World Tour Championship lacks. It really has five or six genuinely quite big names. And for a tour championship end of season big finishing stravaganza, that that's that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. It's not you need more than that. It's and also flip-flopped quite a bit. I mean, it used to be you had the final series, which was three events. You had Turkish Airlines Open as the first one. That's, you know, rest yeah. of these Turkish Airlines Open. Then Nedbank <laughs> was a big deal. I'm sure there was another one in there. Like the, the, the HSBC Champions, again, RIP, was a big deal. <laughs> and then and it was all leading towards this week. Yeah, and what, what the other big events we're talking about, the Irish Open and the Scottish, they've all got usually big American names playing in them. So does Dubai. I mean, I love Dubai. I think it's a great tournament. It's got some big stars in it. None of them play DP World. Mm-hmm. And that's that creates a bit of a shadow. So uh, you're right, it's it's never really been a huge finish to the end of the season, but they need something. I preferred it when it was the Volvo Masters. Maybe that's old man yells at Cloud, but <laughs> what, what it a was great though. To be. Fin- and to be fair, it finished in Europe. Yeah. Know, that that, that yeah. was a good thing. Um, Michael, things changed, just got over it. <laughs> I know, come on, man. But it, it, like, the old man shouts at clouds is absolutely perfect, isn't it? And obviously, you know, we were talking about the FA Cup there and how we all felt about it. And I think that the people that get cross about this changing of the guard, or for want of a better phrase, in golf, is that it is people who are sort of our age, you know, late 30s, early 40s, you know, and older, who are going, oh, well, back in my day, it was Seve and Langer and Monty, mm. and it was wonderful. Yeah, of course it was, because they weren't playing PGA Tour. Like, the, the, the yeah. landscape of golf has just is so different to what it was in the 80s, which is, you know, okay, I'm probably being a bit facetious by saying just get over it. But that is essentially what we have to do. We have to accept that the European Tour, is still a, uh, the DP World Tour, is a wonderful product. It's, it's, it's a wonderful watch every week. It's still producing incredible players. It's just not. It is just a stepping stone to the PGA Tour, though. The best players yeah. over here want to play over there. That's where the profile is. That's where the money is. Yeah, and that's I'll, what they I'll, want. I'll, they, all they want is money. I'll, I'll temper some of that. I know what you're saying. Uh, uh, I, you you kind of lost me there when you said it's a wonderful product every week. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I think Did some I say of every it. Week? Sorry. Yeah. Some no, of it. Sorry, is, I said it's a wonderful product. New sentence. Every week, <laughs> <laughs> Michael and I, Michael and I, had quite a lengthy chat a few years ago about uh, consolidating European Tour and making it stronger and not making it as big as it needs to be. You know, there were what did we used to have? What forty-four events? And I remember we said, why don't we go? Why don't we go to thirty-two events and make those thirty-two events really, really good? Because you will yeah. have to restrict fields. So if you restrict tournaments and you restrict some fields and you need to keep your card, more players will play and there will be more interest in playing because mm-hmm. you have to get in that top one, one, five and so on. And that that's not been the case. They do spread it out, which means so many of them are co-sanctioned and you sort of lose a bit of field quality and that's detrimental to the future because then it's sponsors and it's not a good look on TV. It's... Listen, you could be here all day talking about that. That's Keith Pelley's job. It's not mine. Yeah. Why ask him I, I, that? I think, in fairness, Alex is also maybe forgetting that Oki Stridham won the Singapore Classic in February. So yeah, every well, you week. weren't watching that. You weren't watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael's, Michael's just said there that the tour, the tour championship doesn't grab him by the bollocks. If it the really tour cha- championship doesn't grab him by the bollocks, then how is any other tournament? 
I think it's because it's just, to me, it just doesn't feel like a big deal. It it feels like, well, we need to finish this season somehow. We may as well have a two-year championship. I think that's what he means. It doesn't mean he's not not tuning in to watch it. You will watch it, but it's not like you tune in to watch the Players' Championship, you know? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. So, the season will end. I just saved your ass there. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Could sense that Alex was about to go like... What's your problem, mate? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. He was... I won't say what he was about to do, but it wasn't going to be good. There's not much left to wrap up in the DP World Tour this season, as we know. Rory has won the race to Dubai. Interestingly, John Ram's only played seven DP World Tour events. If you uh, exclude the majors, that reduces to, I think, two. No one seems to have much to say about that. (gasps) But the only real big thing that still has to be settled is... Alex, you mentioned it earlier, the, the identity of the 10 players, or was it Bryce, that's going to be going to the PGA Tour that's going to get these 10 cards. So it's the top 10 not already or otherwise exempt for the PGA Tour get cards of the Tour for 2024, the new season kicking off in January. What those playing opportunities look like, just how valuable that card is, I think we will soon find out. It's not like they're going to be in the Players' Championship. I shouldn't have thought. No. But the 10 players in those positions right now, before play gets underway, Adrian Moronk, Ryan Fox, Victor Perez, Torbjorn Olison, Alexander Bjork, Sammy Valamaki, Robert McIntyre, Jorge Campillo, Rio Hisatsune, almost got through them all, and Rasmus Hoygaard. However you cut that, even if they come back, a little bit. That is a significant talent drain, Bryce, is it not? It is to a certain extent, but they won't walk away completely. And that's what people need to understand. They will take up some take up some spots on this in the States and they will leave a bit of a bit of a void in the background. Un- undoubtedly, but because not with forever. the exception of Ryan Fox. All the other nine have played more than 20 times in the DP World Tour this season. But they already have an opportunity to go to the States and try and get in there, and they've not done that. So it's not the end of the world. Also, playing over there, as we've since found out, it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. It is very expensive. I saw some article with a guy who has obviously not kept his card, but he said it's a fortune. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money to play PG to an event. You know, they're talking about Challenge Tour. I remember players telling me, what would this be 10 years ago a challenge tour card was anything between 30 grand to 40,000 pounds to play challenge tour events now some people play challenge tour and only make 60 grand <laughs> yep. so imagine throwing in the price of things now the world's gone mad mm-hmm. PGA tour can be a lot of money now I know you're saying are you well, saying there's guys, a cost of living crisis well, these in the PGA guys, tour these guys have got a lot of money <laughs> some of them would say they are these guys have got a lot of money but there's still things like that there's a few players in there that, Cantley, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pay for my hotel Jeez, please, <laughs> they're not going to be getting uh, extra help for hotels they're not getting no, free rooms true. you know the, the PGA Tour is not laying out a red carpet for them they're not getting chauffeur driven at tournaments they're having to pay for their own Ubers you know that's mm. could be 80 quid Michael, as we discovered in London last week. Yes, please. Hello, expenses. Yes, if someone from DC Thomas is listening to this, that was somebody else's fault. My expenses (laughs) are astronomical. But listen, I don't think it's a a great look for the tour, but it's not what I think some people are making it out to be. I think we'll be all right. Alex, would you agree with that? I I think for me that the big number, I don't, don't know if you necessarily agree with this, 10 just feels like a lot. Does it need to be 10? Could we not settle on, say, five? Well, I think Bryce has sort of hit the nail on the head there. Like all ten of them 
aren't going to disappear off to the PGA Tour, are they? You know, Jorge Campillo is just disappearing off to play in America for the half the season. No, he'll he'll realise that his. This is going to sound so disrespectful, but they'll they'll realise that their level is European Tour, and they can play well on the European Tour. They can make good money on the European Tour. Bryce is absolutely right. Playing in America, absolute fortune. They'll make more money playing over here and playing well over here. So, and sometimes you know, Bob McIntyre said this. He's a lad from Scotland. He just he wants to just he he likes his home comforts. He's not interested in trekking around America for what? How many weeks a year? Do we even know? Like what level of card these no. guys are going to be getting? Uh, if, so, it's, if it's if it's available, and then I've certainly not seen it. But I would suspect it's it's not going to be a golden ticket to all the big events. Exactly. I I suspect it's going to be a very watered down version of a mm. PGA Tour card. They're going to get a certain events. It, you know, if, if let's pick two tournaments out. Is is Bob Mack going to go and play the? Sanderson Farms over playing the whatever is up against it that week, the Italian Open, say. I don't know if those two are up against each other, but yeah, I, I can't see all of what's, what What's so interesting, you, they will, sorry, they will next year, but they won't the year after. That's exactly it. They will yeah, this year. Exactly. They will play pre-Ryder pre Cup, but not the year of the Ryder Cup. As soon as that qualifying kicks in, there is no point in going over there and playing a PG Tour event and missing the cut and then missing a cut the next week. When somebody in the background, which might be an Adrian Moronk, is picking up two top fives and he's got ahead of you in the race to Dubai and in, in the Ryder Cup rankings, so I think they'll play smart. Mm-hmm. I, I must admit, I'm genuinely fascinated to see how these guys build their schedules because it's to your point, one year it's going to be well, we could be a bit more heavy in the states, the next it's not. Yeah, we've also completely glossed over the fact that culturally it's different. It's not for everybody. Thomas Peters has spoken about going over to the states to try and play in the PGA Tour. And just not liking it. He's not the only guy who's come yeah. up against that. It's it seems like it should be the the top of the mountain, the thing that everyone's trying to aspire to and get to. But yeah, and maybe it is. But it doesn't mean it has to be massively exciting when you get there. It could be underwhelming for some guys. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I, I think it's always gonna be interesting to see how many of them actually bother with the card when they realise what it entails. Mm. If Sammy Palamaki sees that he's really only going to get to play in events like pick one for RBS Heritage or like Canadian Open, something like Correct. that. Correct, yeah. Is it really worth his while? It's a long way to go out. <laughs> Mind you, this is $8 million for a, but we're sort of un- glossing over as a, a bit of shit event. $8 million still, you know? So. It's not bad, eh? Yes. Plus, it also helps when you get tons of world ranking points, and we know how skewed that is towards the PGA Tour as it stands. This week, the RSM Classic, huge deal, huge deal for RSM, is taking place on the PGA Tour opposite the DP World Tour Championship. Which one of those two events offers the most ranking points? I know, but what is the... uh, Let me go in. Well, it's the strength of field, isn't it? If the the RSM has a, a stronger strength of field than the DP World Tour Championship, then it gets more ranking points. It's as simple as that, isn't it? It's just it's just basic maths. <laughs> Which, yeah. again, demonstrates a flaw in the system, how? surely. How? Because there's no way that I'm going to believe that the guys who are in the top 100 or top 150 or top 200, whatever it is, who are the majority of them are PGA Tour players and are getting their 
ranking points for the events that they do get to play in, propped up by the likes of Rory and John Ram and so on, having to play in those events, that that is a bigger deal than a tour finale. I just, I can't compute that. I fully am on board with your thought process that the European Tour uh, finale should have more ranking points than what is basically the most bog-standard PGA Tour event. Mm. I completely agree with that. But that's an OWGR thing. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's, that's true. And again, Stop just getting under, cross at the RSM. <laughs> again, just underlines that the OWGR is an obsolete system and should be at the very least revisited, if not disbanded altogether. Anyway, look, let's not get too deep into that. That's a podcast for another day. Before we go to the break, very, very quickly, I want to get an idea of how we assess the, P- the PGA Tour season. <laughs> Freudian slip. The DP World Tour season overall. Bryce, in a sentence, DP World Tour season 2023 has been? Uneventful. Okay. Alex, same question to you. DP World Tour season 2023 has been? Yeah, I, well, I'm not going to continue the sentence. I'm just going to say, I don't think I've... Well, that's the game, Alex. As, <laughs> be a team player. I don't think I've watched as much DP World Tour this season as I have any other season. I can let you come to your own conclusions with that. There you yeah. go. Thanks for that. You could have just continued the sentence, but you chose to go your own way. That's fine. Go your own path, Alex. Be like that. I am my own man. Right, listen, got to go to the break. Loads more to discuss in the second part of the show, including a certain Angel Cabrera. Yes, we're going there. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway, Michael, Bryce and Alex here with you. Going to get into some stuff in a second. First though, Bryce, you are the editor. This is your big moment. Ten times a year we have our, I was going to say our last issue of the year has just hit newsstands. That's wrong. That's incorrect. That's wrong. There's work to be done, McEwen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, our second last issue <laughs> has just hit newsstands and it is uh, a fine bit of work by yours truly, Mr. McEwen. Features a cover feature with. Uh, now, do I call him. I should call him musician. Chart topping musician. Chart topping musician. I know Alex referred to him on Twitter yesterday as our ex as a pop star, and I don't think oh. that's going to go down well. Although he was a pop star. Well, what kind of what kind of music does he do? It's not well, I, I wouldn't say it was pop. No. no, it's more sort of. I don't know actually. These days, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be country. It's a little oh, bit of star. A little bit of blues. A little bit of country. I wouldn't, say was, I wouldn't say he was blue. He's not exactly that Joe Bonamassa. Anyway, musician. We'll <laughs> Let's go talk musician. him up, talk him up, talk him up. Now, Horan, musician, clearly loves his golf and he has a huge influence in the game. Uh, he started his own golf company. Listen, it's all in It's all in the magazine. Go and get it. Um, you can get a bit of a preview. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can get a bit of a preview on our website. Just go in and search now, Horan, or Horan on our website, and you'll find a, a, a bit of a what they call a write-off <laughs> on what is in the magazine, and it's a really good flavour. Uh, Michael's written that uh, really good fra- flavour of what you can expect. Not only that, but he spoke to a few other people involved behind the scenes. Won't give it away. 
where they give a flavour of um, what it is uh, he's getting involved in. And he's, to be fair, he's been doing it for a few years and the guy's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely is. Uh, and he's, his story's immense. And he's genuine with it. I think that's the yeah. big thing is that, yes, he's he's one of the world's most recognisable faces or names or, or whatever. I was looking at Spotify earlier on like his songs, it's like 400, bil- 400 million streams, 500 million streams. I mean, and the good thing is, he's got, 40, he's got 40 million on uh, Twitter, he's got 32 million on Instagram. And the good thing is, we're not calling him an influencer because he's he's yeah. working hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's he's uh, His power is legit. And his so, passion, his passion for yeah. the game is absolutely genuine. Modest Golf, I think, are doing some really good stuff. So yeah. it's was, it was, it was cool. It's, to a, it's great for golf. So it's a great story. Cover. Pat myself in the back here, but it's a cracking cover. It's a cracking cover. When you see it in the issue and you see it in the newsstands, just go and buy it. Even better, subscribe. At bunker.co.uk forward slash suboffer. Other great stuff in there. We've got uh, an exclusive of Billy Horschel. We've also got Iona Stephen in there. And we have a guy who I guarantee you has played more golf than you this year. I won't say how much he's played, but he's played a shitload of golf this year. Amazing. Go check it out. Right. Let's talk about... The World Handicap System, WHS. Alex, when I say to you World Handicap System, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, confusing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? It just, it feels to me like it's quite, I don't want to use the word overwhelming because that doesn't feel right. But when I go out and play golf, I just want to go out and play golf. I, there's enough things to think about when you're on the golf course, you know, whether it's swing force or making sure you tee up the ball at the right height or make sure your shoes are clean before you go out. I don't want to then have to do all these maths and calculations. I just want to play my round, write my scores on a piece of card or in my app. And then at the end, it all adds it up and tells me how I've done in my round of golf. I don't think I really need all of it. And now they're just adding. So hang on, hang on. Is it. that not what happens though? I, I'm, I don't have a handicap because I do find the system just a bit overwrought, a bit complicated and a little bit off-putting. But as I understand it, there's not there's no calculation you need to do. You just do put in your scores and it tells you what no, your you, handicap you punch is. Your, you punch your score at the end, don't you? But yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that doesn't <laughs> seem that bad, really. I don't think I don't think it's as hard as some people make out. I, I, I do think if you were to delve really deep, deep into it, you could lose your, your mind. But you don't. I actually, I am not that disturbed by the changes they've made we'll go through this. yes we'll so that, that's them. why we're talking about it there are some changes coming yeah. in january to the whs the first review of the as they call it rules of handicapping and court rating system so go through them oh my god i have to yes <laughs> <laughs> so one of the biggest changes there's really four main changes as such one of the biggest is a reduction in the overall length requirements for a course rating cap c cap r a set of tees on an 18 hole course may be as short now as 1500 yards to be eligible for a course rating and slope rating with a set of tees on a nine hole course allowed to be as short as 750 that change so they've cut that in half basically essentially yeah essentially that the change they're doing this because they want to expand the WHS to thousands of shorter length courses, including, interestingly, par three courses, and in doing so, enable more golfers to obtain and use a handicap index, as they would call it. I would simplify that by saying they're wanting to give more kids 
and beginners yep. handicaps. Absolutely brilliant. That's a, that's a good thing, isn't it? Who the hell would complain about that? They're making exactly. the game easier to monitor, easier to play, and easier that at the end of six months you can say, this is how good I am, or in your case, Michael, this is how bad I am. <laughs> say what you like. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's for. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I saw people going wild about that. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, in your case, like, your wee boy is would, 10, plays golf. It's too much effort for him to play 18 holes. <laughs> yeah. It's too much effort. So anything that makes it easier for him to get involved and have the same scoring as me, surely that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. You're bringing more people into the golf space and making it easier for them to get a handicap. That's the problem. Is that As soon as we meet people all the time who say, you're not in golf and say, what's your handicap? So this is the first thing mm. they ask. What's your handicap? Now, your wee boy, though, does he understand what a handicap is? No, like he hasn't got a what's clue. What's a handicap? No, but he will next year. Okay. He will. So I, I, I think that's a good thing. That's point number one, which we're all ticking good. Alex, you ticking that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that I play more 9 and 12-hole golf than I do 18 because generally due to time constraints and things like that. And there was a really nice quote that I read uh, the other day when this all came out from the European Institute of Golf Course Architects. And he said, it is important to move away from the traditional thought that golf can only be played over 18 holes and spread across 6,000 yards. Bang. How long have we been saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. I How have... long have we been saying that? It's ludicrous that golf should just be this rigid structure of, oh, you've got to go out, you've got to you've got to play off the tips. Oh, we're all men. We've got to play off the back. We've got to play 7,500 yards. No, golf should be fun and everyone should be able to have a handicap as a result. I don't give a shit if you have a handicap from playing crazy golf through the bloody dinosaurs. No, 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 no. no. That, that's that's absolutely... where I draw the line. It's like... Hang on. <laughs> just that you can't get a handicap in crazy golf. Exactly. It's just a throwaway comment. Don't worry. Al- Alex, he's, he's here I'm with the throwaway comment. So speak by the Unbelievable. Way. Let's go to point two. I can just imagine his next thing be like, I, I, I play the PlayStation. I should be getting a handicap. <laughs> EA Sports is my future. <laughs> but that that could be where we it end won't, up. It no. just let's, what's point two? I just have one more thing to say in point okay. one. The reason I have a one tiny little issue with par three courses getting a handicap is because it has now torpedoed my argument that a hole in one on a par three course doesn't really count. It, it, it counts if you want it to count. Who, As soon as you say, I got a hole in one, like, oh, it, you, you always say, whereabouts? And if someone says they got it on a, a par three at, I don't know, Royal Mid Surrey, you're going to go, oh, cool, what hole was it? The seventh, and a, you know, it was 108 yards, brilliant. But if that person says, oh, I got it on a par three course, you're, you're, it's up to you whether you go, that's not a real hole in one, or whether you just let the guy or woman have their moment. What would you do? I would let them have their moment. Alex? Same. How is a, so to you, uh, a hole in one on, say, a 160-yard hole on a par three course is less value than a hole in one on, say, a 98 yard par three on a full size course yes is that because oh. you're never going to get a home one and you're actually better as <laughs> shit <laughs> in part yeah <laughs> no it's it's developmental golf for me par threes par three courses i get it it's fine it's it's all part of the pathway towards playing full real golf hole in ones are played in real conditions real golf courses full golf courses under proper 
but we would but understand you don't as get, golf but you don't circumstances, get a, golf you don't, conditions. You don't play, you still play a par three. You can, overwhelming majority of hole-in-ones come in par threes. Yes. So that's still real golf courses. Not really, because every hole's a par three. And so you real more opportunity. Course. A bit of that. Uh, I just let's, Listen, you have a hole-in-one on the postage stamp at Troon. That's a real hole-in-one. Hole in one on a part of the course. Listen, yeah, not, I get all that. It's just but, not the same. You might write down one, but, but it is not but, the same. But you can just, t- so next time somebody says that, you can just say, look, it's not the same. I've Congratulations, d- but I, it's not the same. <laughs> I do say that. And they're going to go, he's a nice guy. Yeah, they do that as well. <laughs> we won't invite him back. <laughs> to your part three course, shove it. I've played better places than that. I won't oh say where. Oh my God. Let's, let's jump, shall we, to before I dig a hole. Mind you, a hole in one on the par three course at Augusta. You didn't get one. Didn't and you didn't count. play it. Point two. Point two. I'm going to skip past point two and go to three because two's the contentious one, just in the order they've presented them. Playing conditions, calculation adjustments made more frequent. The playing conditions calculation, or PCC, oh, you're losing me already, RNA, has been modified to increase the likelihood of an adjustment for abnormal playing conditions. National Association for Given Discretion, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure I know what is meant by abnormal playing conditions. What are we talking about there? Do either of you get that? The playing conditions calculations modified to increase the likelihood of an adjustment for abnormal playing conditions. Like weather? Is it is playing conditions reactive to scoring on the day, the average score on the day? Like standard scratch? Yeah, is that what that is? Presumably. Yeah, so it's when it's so it's when abnormal weather conditions cause scores to be higher. Unusually higher or yeah. lower, of course. No problem with that. That seems fairly <laughs> That's fine. normal. If, if you want to play in hurricane force winds... What was the weather like when you broke 100 at Augusta? Beautiful. There you go. There you go. Point three. Enhanced What you should have said, it was absolutely howling gales and pissing with rain. <laughs> I, I, it's just one of those rounds I can't and won't ever lie about. I know. Let's should we talk on about to more? point four. New reporting tools have been developed that national associations can incorporate into their handicapping software to assist committees in conducting the review, review process effectively and consistently. That just seems like an administrative change. That just sounds like management speak, David, and I don't like that. <laughs> it's, it's an admin change designed <laughs> yes. to make the handicap convener's job easier. easier to what? reduce the chance of them ballsing it up. Yeah. No one, I'm nobody, all on board with that. Nobody is offended by that. No one even likes. No one even likes handicap conveners. Who? No Who one likes talking right to them. Likes a when when you when you meet somebody in the golf scene and they say, oh, "I'm the handicapping convener at uh, Royal Mansari," and Royal Mansari is getting in the neck today, but you don't. You're like, I, I don't want to be mates with you. Now I'm going to walk over to the other side of the room here because you're going to start talking about CSS and and just I'm not it's just I'm not vibing with this. Let's go. So we're fine with that. Point two. Okay. So this is. Arguably the biggest and most contentious one. Improvements hmm, have been made to the method used to handle holes not played, which will now be based on a player's expected score rather than a score of net par. This new method will produce a 9-hole or 18-hole score differential that more accurately reflects a player's ability. They go on, as golfers across the world are playing more nine-hole rounds, an expected score can also be used to convert a nine-hole round into an 18-hole score differential. For some countries, this means nine-hole scores will be considered in the calculation of a player's handicap index immediately after the day of play, rather than waiting to combine with another nine-hole score. If 
I am understanding this correctly. And there's a very good chance I'm not. That seems to me to say I could play 16 holes at TPC Balfron. 17 and I have never got. <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> it's the best hole in the course. And I fucking oh, hate it. Oh, it's just, it <laughs> is what they would call a card wrecker. 18, well, I'm usually so fucking scunnered by 17 that my tee shot flies off into the trees. Uh -huh. So essentially, I, if I'm getting this right, I could walk off after 16 and it will, what, predict my score for yeah. me? So 17, just for people who don't know about TPC Balfron, which is Scotland's finest course in the north of Glasgow, when you play off the yellow tees, it's a relatively straight shot towards the brow of a hill, quite narrow. You don't hit driver. You usually Well, hit, that's where I'm going wrong. Well, I, I don't <laughs> hit driver because you can hit it too far. But then it's you're a brow of the hill, and then you're a good 200 yeah. yards plus into a very narrow green with a burn to the left, a burn to the right, and a bunker to the right. A bu uh, sorry, burn to the left, burn to the front, bunker to the right. And there's a two-tiered green, yeah. which is mega it's the narrow. Most sloping green on the golf uh -huh. course. It's brutal to hit that green from 210 yards. So I usually find the shite off the right <laughs> with my drive, top one into the barn, and then Same. stomp onto 18 in a bad mood. However, if you play it in the in a medal from the medal tees, the medal tees are down the left. Mm -hmm. it means you're hitting towards the crap on the right and mm -hmm. flirting with the stuff on the left, and you're also nicely further back. So it's an even harder shot. I hate that hole. I love it. It's I a hate phenomenal it. hole. It's a great hole, but, but I hate it. Brutal. And in a medal, I've been there. I've been in a in a medal situation where I'm nine over and I think I've got a chance to break 80 here. I'm in a good space. I just need to do a wee bit of something special. Blob. And that's it. Day so round. This change could... I, not could. I will piss off on the 16th green and I will walk up 17 and 18 and get in my car and go home. <laughs> well that's the that's the contention isn't it yeah that's 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 why people are upset about it because they're saying well hang on a second we can manipulate this damn right if i can manipulate it and it's within the rules of manipulation away i just have a hard time understanding how you can it, it's like ai isn't it it's like ai for yes. golf predicting what your outcome would be don't you worry about finishing the round we'll finish it but for you it's kind of not far what happened not far off what happens now you have an you have a 10 it doesn't go down as a 10 mm -hmm. you know because now it's a double bogey mm -hmm. i think yeah. so yes it's, it's not far off that but still, what, you should be playing the hole but yeah but it, and it's leaving probably, it's open to interpretation or rather it's open to uh, what do you call it, malfeasance, where you don't actually have to hit a shot to get a, a score on a yeah. hole. That is absolutely abnormal. Think about Carnoustie, right? There's a, at least one golf club that plays out of Carnoustie. Multiple, probably. Five. The hardest three holes in the course are the three <laughs> last <laughs> holes. <laughs> now, Clint, a, a par three that's like 210 yards or something. The into the wind. The 16th tee faces the clubhouse. You could play 15, walk on to the 16th tee, and just keep on walking, baby. And not worry about it, because, like, yeah, it'll predict my scores. I just, I cannot get my but head around the But does the computer know what you've done before? Because if the computer at Balfron knows what I've done, <laughs> it's marking me down for an eight. And this is the other part. The computer doesn't know what your four looked like. You could have sclaffed and thinned and holed out miraculously huh. from 400 yards. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. But you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at? It's... A four could, on a, in terms of a number, there's no pictures on the scorecard. It can be many things. Doesn't necessarily mean you've played it very well, but the computer doesn't know that. 
Alex, what are you feeling about this? I mean, first of all, if I'm playing Carnoustie, I'm absolutely not missing out on the final three holes. I don't care how I play <laughs> on them. This is for me where it just all gets a little bit confusing. I don't really understand how it works or how they've come to the conclusion that this is how it's going to work. Surely there is a calculation somewhere where you can just play nine holes or 12 holes. And this might make me look stupid. I don't know. But you can play any set number of holes and your handicap is just worked out on the holes you've played. Why can't that be the case? I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. So in other words, you play 16 holes and... Yeah, so you, only... you play 16 holes right, and your okay. handicap is, is adjusted to those 16. Like, surely there is a calculation somewhere. It's that a that fair could... point. I know, but you predict are... how you finish. But you're playing... more is not to predict. You're playing to par. I get all that. It's not a bad shit. I'm sure somebody at the RNA thought, actually, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe someone at the RNA <laughs> is listening to this and said, actually, Alex Perry made quite a good point on the Bunker <laughs> podcast about... We're going to lose him. This time next year, press releases will come out and it'll say, like, Alex Perry, director of handicapping at the RNA, <laughs> said, I'm not professional. <laughs> you should be. I'm not. I'm making shit loads of money from golf. I'm probably the last person in the golf industry that should be in that role. But yeah, I've, I just, I, I don't think know. it I, makes I, it easier. It's like it, golf is too difficult to get involved. And in. you know what? It, it, this sounds awful. But genuine real golfers are going to play 18 holes. I'm only joking. I'm not yeah. looking after 16. They will play 18 holes. Yeah. But people who are getting into the game, you know, how many people have joined golf in the last three years? What, an extra 2 million in the UK? See if it makes it easier for them to go and get a handicap and, and there's have less hassle. To work towards. Yeah. yeah, just let them. What is the big deal? I do, people get people, so those people, upset those people at WHS. you're talking about sorry those people you're talking about are not showing up at club competitions the week after 18 hole club competitions or 36 hole competitions and cleaning up yeah it's just not happening the only thing I've got the only gripe I've got about WHS is that it did not do what it set out to do and was unify the game around the world when you go on holiday I I want to be able to go and play say Quinta the South. South Course at Quinta or you can do it at Augusta. How cool would it be at Augusta? You could go and put a handicap score in that counted from Augusta. I mean, I wouldn't. I know, but you could be one of your counting cards. <laughs> so you could have, I don't know, Dave McCann at Balfron's looking at your uh, your handicaps, your, your scores, and it says, like, Balfron, you know, the 19th of August, and it's like, oh, he's got his second one there. It's like <laughs> 11th of April. Uh, Augusta National <laughs> I would like that Can you imagine there's a discrepancy he's phoning them up Good morning Augusta National Golf Club uh, Hi it's Dave from Balfron here uh, Can I just check what Michael McEwen did on the 14 <laughs> What's your CSS <laughs> So I, I think that's got to be like that's the thing that WHS was meant to do like you could travel around and just put in scores because everyone was on the same system mm -hmm. but it's not Yeah because all the home unions have got a different process and they've all got their own little app. And it's just, it's there isn't a WHS how, app. How hard would it have been to have one app, guys? Uh, but they don't, Holy not, shit. Because everyone wants an app. And I yeah. get it, there's all commercialisation of that app. and But the RNA should have commercialised that app. Yeah. See if the RNA had commercialised that app with the USGA. Imagine the money they could have made off it. And then they can put that money back into, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, growing the game. He did it. Oh my God. You went there, Bryce. I've just... That you've, little monologue should be played to Martin Slumbers and said, here's what you should have done. Well, I'm meeting them in two weeks. Maybe I will. <laughs> no, don't, don't. No, no. Don't. We'll just pretend this didn't happen. I think for me, like, <laughs> WHS, I get it. And the thing that's put me off it so far <clears throat> is that those who are really into it and, like, 
study it and are geeky over it and nerd out and you are get, obsessive. You get, a, you get a life. <laughs> are obsessive about handicaps. When they're looking at it at the outset and going, oh, okay, I have some questions, then that puts me, as somebody who's not that bothered, completely off it. Yeah. This, as you say, was sure. meant to be a simplification of something that was really complicated. It was meant to be a unification of something that was really complicated. <clears throat> and I don't think it's been... You'll never that. make handicapping uncomplicated. It's golf. It's just never going to be that way. But I do think they're trying to... I don't think they're trying to simplify it. I think they're trying to make it easier for people who are not in golf to get involved in yeah. it and be part of that scene. Which I'm bang, and bang yeah. on board with. Yeah. So... I'm really excited to hear what Richie Jr.'s handicap is going to be 12 months from now. I'm taking a note, November 15th. No, if he's not off plus five, he's grounded. (laughs) (laughs) You're my retirement plan, wee man. (laughs) He seems to be going down the rugby route, and there's no money in rugby, so we're screwed. (laughs) He's going to have to get a job. (laughs) There'll be no no rugby teams left by the time he turns pro. I know, yeah. (laughs) He's going to have to get a job. (laughs) Oh, damn it. My ambition for my son was more than a job. <laughs> right. Oh, I don't even know how to segue into this part, so sod it. Let's not. Ankel Cabrera. Yeah, we probably should have discussed this a bit more before now, but here we are. Let's have, as I've written in the notes, a few minutes on the fallen Ankel. Do you like that? Fallen Ankel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Senor Cabrera is out of jail, has been now for a few months, and is said to be targeting a return to golf. What that looks like, we don't know. Presumably the PGA Tour champions, maybe Augusta, maybe a bit of PGA Tour action. Who knows? He wants to get back into the golf circle anyway. Might be difficult for him with the conviction that he's got to even just travel, never mind to be welcomed back into the golf sphere. But listen, I think I've I've made my feelings perfectly clear about Cabrera and whether or not he should be allowed back into golf. For the record, if you've not read what I've written online about it, I think it poses a lot of problems that the game just doesn't need. The convictions, the, the the crimes rather that he was convicted of are so serious that I think golf has to just make him persona non grata, sin diem, whatever it is. Just I, I, I think that there's no place for him in the game, uh, frankly. So for those that don't know, what did he do? He was convicted of domestic violence against multiple former partners and served I think 30 months in jail in Argentina, horrific jail Carcel de Bauer which is known in, so it's just south of Cordoba where he's from it's known as the prison of hell. Yeah it doesn't sound great No, not great, but frankly given what he was convicted of, good yeah, I mean, I know my prisons. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I went to Berlin oh, just, for, we just for a visit, not, not because I was convicted of anything well not yet <laughs> Uh, but, just doing a recce before the inevitable. Doing a wee recce, but I do know <laughs> this is okay. I, but it does. Berlin does seem to be quite a lot nicer than the prison of hell. It's. It, I mean, it's still a jail, but yes, uh, no one's calling Berlin a uh, notorious prison near Glasgow the prison of hell. I think that I'll, I'll bring you guys in in a second, but let, let me just say that I think that with Cabrera, these aren't normal circumstances that we're we're talking about. Yes, he maintains his innocence, but he was convicted of very serious crimes against women. The justice system determined he was guilty, therefore he is guilty. That's why we have a justice system. They went through the process and found him guilty. So I think that there should be consequences that extend beyond prison gates. He has served his time, that is correct, and should be allowed to continue life outside of 
the jail. Serving his time just means that he should be freed from jail. It doesn't mean he should be free to resume all aspects of his former life, in my opinion. I think it would be a horrific yeah, game for golf as to well. To be fair, that's an opinion. It's not a fact. 100%. I'm, I'm making that clear. This is just my opinion. I don't really want to see him back in the game, given what he's done. Uh, it's There are levels to crimes. That's why there are levels it, to sentences. It will be this is too serious to welcome him back. We all know where this is going. There's a tournament coming in the next five, mm. six months, which he will be at. Well, maybe he won't, but it's well, going that's, to that's be it, spectacularly it. awkward. Where are you at, Bryce? Alex, I'll bring you in in a second in this one, but let's just state our, our feelings. I, I've stated mine. Where are you with Cabrera? I don't think it's a great idea to bring him in. He, he's His crimes are pretty bad. I've seen the video. Not great. Spectacularly awkward is the best way I can I can work it. He's going to mm. have to do preview interviews. You know, if he plays well, he's going to have to be on the tail and be interviewed and... You know, but he's at that age where he's probably not going to play too many, too many events. But you'll play the big ones, yeah, which makes it difficult. Um, I can't see. Put it this way: it'll be it, Augusta in a really, really tough position, mm -hmm. really tough because it's un unprecedented. I can't think of anyone that has been jailed for over two years and has returned to no. play any major championship as as a former winner. I cannot think of anyone. I was racking my brain for days and days. I can't think of anyone. It is, if it's not unprecedented, it's not far off. Yeah. So it's very awkward. Alex, your thoughts on this? Bryce and I both seem to be on erring towards the nope, he shouldn't be allowed back in. Your your own thoughts? No, I completely agree with you guys. I've, I've got nothing to add on that front. I cannot see him being allowed to swap his uh, orange jumpsuit for a green jacket. Mm. Whatever the powers that be at Augusta National think of the situation, they don't want that negative press around their tournament. It's as simple as that. It Correct. would it, it would overwhelm the tournament and there's absolutely no way, no chance. But it might be out of their hands anyway. Look, my, my knowledge of US visas is limited to that little card that they used to make you fill out that asked you politely if you were a terrorist. But I'm pretty sure his criminal record would keep him out of the US anyway. But he'll it? be an American citizen, will he not? This is the bit that's unclear. I mean, he, he would if he's not, he would be banned for a, a certain period of time or it would be very difficult for him. Okay. Listen, there, there are ways and means, I think. My biggest concern of what has come out this week about it is that his coach, Charlie Epps, said, and I put this on Twitter, he said he's learned his lesson and that he wants Cabrera to be the comeback player of the year. I mean, what a ludicrously out-of-touch thing to say about yeah. someone who has done the things that Cabrera has done. Learned he's his lesson? Did he not deny it? At well, that's it. He's maintaining his, his innocence. So you can't learn a lesson if you're maintaining your no, innocence. No, that's nonsense. That, that appears to be at odds. So either he has to publicly accept and admit his guilt in order to then work towards getting to a place where he can accept, you know, that, that what he did was wrong. But I don't think that he's in that place right now. For me, the, the most compelling part of this is not the person who was convicted of the crimes like Cabrera is. This is about the, the victims of the crimes. And one of them, I forget her name, Cecilia Torres-Mana, I believe, his former partner, she wrote a piece for a, a, a website in Argentina a few years ago when he was originally convicted and... I went onto Google Translate, translated it, and she wrote in that piece, I'm still afraid, whilst it brought peace and relief, has sent, she says, I'm still afraid, I cannot be completely free or calm knowing what kind of person he is and the threats he made. I believe my family and I are still at risk. That's all I need to know, frankly, beyond the, mm -hmm. the facts that were presented in the case. I, I enjoyed watching Angel Cabrera play, I enjoyed watching him win the majors that he won. I just 
have no interest in seeing him hit a golf ball ever again, frankly, and I don't think he should be enabled. There might be something in the T's and C's that certain players, <laughs> certain uh, admin bodies put in that if you're a if you've got a criminal conviction, you can't play. Some that's a very simple way yeah. around it. Yeah, and if it's yeah, not, maybe maybe they're writing it right now. Yeah, who knows? Right, enough about that guy. Podder of merit. Ooh. Last week, Ned Bank Golf Challenge. Bryce, you went for the defending champion. How original. Tommy Fleetwood, who finished in a tie for 12th. Alex, you went for Ryan Fox. He's been in great form and I think finished second last year. That's original too. And he finished in a tie for 51st. I went for Vincent Norman. I was so excited when he was co-leading after round one and he finished in a tie for 15th. Dean. So, Bryce, you get two points. I get one. Alex. Oh, is that because I'm how, how original? Alex, you get zero. As it stands. I, I was really annoyed as well because I was going to go for Fleetwood and then I thought, nah, that's just too obvious. I'll go for the guy in second instead. <laughs> I'll go for the stupid next game. most obvious one. It is a stupid game. Who invented this? As it stands, Bryce, nine. Alex, six. Michael, three. Remember, first to 15 wins the whatever, a free meal at Mother India or something. This week, it's the DP World Tour Championship as discussed. Bryce, you have the honour. Who are you picking for this week? Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh, Dwayne. I, you so much. I know you were both going to pick him. Yes. I know. But you can't really even. Dubai specialist, Matt yes. Fitzpatrick. Unbelievable record. Like top five last three times or something. Yeah. He's had a, his worst finish is like a ninth. and. One before that was the thirty first, but it was about eight years ago or something. It wasn't eight years, maybe five. But anyway, the guy's <laughs> phenomenal. There, he's basically going to win because I wrote it down because uh, I was going to pick him, and I knew one of you would. But I've written it down, so I'm going to say it for you anyway. Since tw- this is he started in 2015, fourth win, twelfth, thirty fourth, ninth win, tied second, tied fifth. So he's due a bad week. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's let's look at it that way. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Very good shout. I had him, so now I don't. Instead, I am going to go for somebody who needs uh, a good week to lock up his PGA Tour card, who has been playing very well, who probably still has a little bit of a chip in his shoulder, and that is Adrian Moronk. Oh, I didn't. I thought you were going to pick somebody else there. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I actually don't give a toss what his record's like. <laughs> in this particular event, I'm more interested in the fact that he's playing well right now and he needs, uh, I mean, he's pretty much there, I think, in terms of getting the PGA Tour card, but a good week this week will wrap it up. So, yeah, Adrian Moronk for me. Monsieur Perry? Well, I wrote down Matt Fitzpatrick with the full of confidence that neither of you would pick him. So I'm now going to have to just pluck a name out of the air. John Rahm. Don't know why. Don't care. John Rahm. <laughs> That's interesting. So you're using... A, as big a name as John Ram, throwing in that card, yeah, knowing that you can't use it. him again unless he wins. Interesting that John Ram is, did he well, not sack off this, this event last year? When does this game? Reset? I think we should change this for next year. Do you know why? I think we should do an order of merit and base it on money. Then I have to read it oh. out every week. That Bryce, you're on one and a half million six hundred twenty-three thousand four hundred twelve point one one euros. Our yeah, points, our point's not easier to understand. <laughs> no, I feel like nine, six, and three. Everyone no, knows where we you, stand. You're, you're, but you're getting the money for the big events that matter. So you're, it's like you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's throw that to Steve the ref. Let's get his. I'm his, bugging it. Just get Steve to do it. Right. We'll look at it. We'll 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 consider what we're going to do next year. But for the the purposes of now, Alex. Yeah, surely you know that if you pick John Ram and he doesn't win this week, you can't use him again until this iteration ends when somebody hits 15 points. Are you 
Now that you are yeah, aware of that, are you still comfortable I'm, with your pick? I'm not entirely sure that I've even used John Rahm already. So who knows? Look, Steve I, I've the said ref it knows. Now. I've said it now. I have to stick with it. If Steve the ref comes back at some point and says that I've already used John Rahm, then I'll pick someone else. But fine. Oh, Go with it. I've said results. it. I've done it. So done. to recap, Bryce, Matt Fitzpatrick, me, Adrian Moronk, Alex, John Rahm. Podder of merit. You're, you're getting pretty close to winning it, Bryce. Getting pretty close, I have to say. Three points this week for a Matt Fitzpatrick win would take you to 12 and within one more win of winning. Thanks. Honesty box to finish up. I'm going to go a bit topical for a second. Those of you in the UK and indeed those of you outside of the UK perhaps may have noticed that the former Prime Minister of the UK, David Cameron, has made a shock return to politics this week. That's interesting. That's created a bit of a hornet's nest. Let's not dwell on that. Other than to say, big shock to see him back. I sat on a plane with David Cameron once. We're going to end the podcast where we started with plane chat. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's a pity that one didn't crash. Well, it is because I would have been on it, yeah. but that wouldn't have been great. Take one for the team. Yeah. Nonetheless, Big Dave is back in politics. Foreign Secretary or something? Because he did so well with his, Secretary, his, yeah. his, his previous I don't foreign engagement. politics. <laughs> Brexit's been a huge success. So <laughs> Since that went so well, let's bring him back after his seven-year <laughs> holiday. Anyway, it did get me thinking. And here is the question. Which golfer or golf figure would you most like to see make a return to the game? Somebody who is Al- alive gone, or dead? It could be either. Either. Maybe alive. Because then we're getting into you know discussions quite, quite about animation and yeah, it's a bit morbid, isn't it? So how would old Tom Morris get on with the new new equipment? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll restrict it to alive. Okay, that's that's the caveat. They have to be alive. They need to be actually able to make the comeback. Who would that be and why? Greg Norman in PGA Tour events. <laughs> I'm a massive Norman fan. I love the guy. And he could hit the shit out of a golf ball. And I do think Norman's career sort of fizzled out. And then he just went to go and be a businessman. Didn't bother with much Very else. Very successful businessman, it must be said. Is that right? I've never, no one's ever said that, Michael. <laughs> I mean, he has such a diverse range of business interests. <laughs> Did you know he provided the grass for the Super Bowl pitch? I might, by the way, that still blows my mind. I know. It's not, well, you should. You know that. But he's got wine and he makes his own steak. He doesn't make it. <laughs> the cows do. He might make steaks. <laughs> he probably does. But Norman makes we, his own steaks. We do steaks. know that he's shit at gardening. But I think Norman Is that what your chainsaw sounds like? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, so that's mine. Greg Norman. Greg Norman. And I mean, I'm not sure I'm going to allow that because he is in golf in quite right, a high, Christ, I'm going to be honest, I really don't way. understand the question. <laughs> so, David Cameron... <laughs> people who have is, retired. David Cameron was a big Because he has retired. David, David Cameron, I'm explaining it, shut up. David Cameron was a big deal, very prominent person, disappeared completely. Like Greg Norman. Parachuted back in. So, Greg Norman is back though. He's back right. in lives. So He's he not is, playing golf. It's in golf. He's a pencil pusher. It's not... So you want to see a Greg Norman at 64 years of age playing in the PGA Tour? Yeah, I'll I, be honest, this, the, the end of this podcast is a shambles. <laughs> Alex, save the day and hopefully give Bryce a bit of a better working example. Bryce, the only reason why Michael has brought this up is he so wants he to talk about Anthony Kim. He for two minutes about Anthony Yeah, that's oh, By the way, the no, no, he wants to no talk about it. I hadn't even thought, it. I swear, I, I swear on my life. So who's your... 
Be sure. Let's fucking do it so we can all go and have lunch for crying out loud. It is, what time is it? It is, it is, it is not Anthony Kim. I've got a homemade minestrone soup downstairs and I want to start eating it. Honestly, <laughs> the first person that came to mind, <laughs> I'm not making this up, was Robert Jan Derksen because he just looked cool. What? With his shitty polo shirts that were stripy, he had an upturned collar you're like not Cantona. getting a TV deal on this compact because I don't think there's going to be a huge... And like, it's not as if Netflix are waiting going, oh my God, Robert Jan Dirksen's <laughs> return to golf. Sign they up for this three-part series. I don't know. When I wrote the question, the first, I swear, the first just person because that came he wore, to mind was Robert Jan Dirksen. Just because he wore hoops and, a, and an upturned collar, we're yeah. all excited. And he had cool hair. And he was a nice bloke to see. He did to. actually have quite cool hair. He had a proper flow. He just chucked golf, didn't he? He's not run yeah. a school in wherever he's from. Dutch. Holland. Yeah, yep. same thing. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he walked away from golf altogether, didn't he? He at about 45 years of age. I think he'd more or less aged out on the DP World Tour, couldn't compete. And it's a fascinating story, isn't it? I haven't really seen him on the, <laughs> the channel. <laughs> Imagine you in front of the Netflix crew. I've got an idea, right? But let's hear it, Michael. Well, there was this Dutch guy. He didn't win a lot. And to be honest, uh, to look, be honest, he just got old. Look at him there, right? For the purposes of this, he's wearing a neon pink polo shirt with green oh and white stripes, a t-shirt underneath it. Robert Jan Derksen. A brilliant flow and, yeah, an upturned That's collar. That's a classic one, that, isn't cool. it? My Exit from Golf by Robert Jan Derksen. Alex, who have you got? You're going to say well, I have to say, I have to say Anthony Kim now, don't I? Because you're not going to do it. Look, there's no secret that there's a lot of intrigue about this guy and where he disappeared to. So, where are you, Anthony? We just want to know. Don't even want to watch you play golf. Just want to know what the hell happened to you. You just want to know you're okay. I think we do, don't yeah. we? Well, yeah. We kind of do know now, but fair play. Do you know who else? Lorena Ochoa. I'd like to see her back. She was unbelievable. Annika retired and everyone went, oh, that's a massive blow. Women's games and all sorts of shit now. Lorena Ochoa just went, actually, no. I'll, I'll I'll take it from here. But then she retires at the age of 28, does a Bobby Jones on us, hasn't been seen or heard of since. I gather she, she left the game to go and start a family and whatnot. I'd like to see Lorena Achoa come back, walk in. What what age is Lorena Achoa now? Let's... She, was like, she was our age, I think. She's, like, she, she's 40, 41, she's, I think. She's 42 years old and retired oh, there you go, 42. in May 2010 at the age of 28. Imagine Lorena Choa just said, you know what, I've had enough of retirement now, I'm coming back. Swanned onto the LPGA and just started winning everything in sight again. That would be an absolutely brilliant story. I'd love to see that. Bryce, you, you don't seem that bothered. <laughs> Honestly, this is the most, the worst honesty box we have ever had. We're trying to, we're trying to get more juice out of this and it's not happening. This is like a, a three-week old lime that you need to get some juice out of for your Thai green curry and it's just it's not there but you're going to keep ploughing away at it say that again no it's a t that's even the worst analogy as well it just <laughs> ties in beautifully to the shittest end to one of our podcasts seriously if you're still in is listening to this why <laughs> why Listen, there, lunch? I was I was just trying to bring in David Cameron <laughs> that's all is it because you don't like him? Yeah, I think the guy's a bit of a tosser. To be but honest. to be fair, remember we went to a political. That was mm. it Scotland's journalist no, charity lunch. It was, it was yeah, it was a Scottish press charity lunch. Yeah. And he stood up and did a speech. I thought he was excellent. This was before he became prime minister. Yeah, he was excellent though. Yeah, he basically stood up in front of us all and said, "Right, so money, 
There is none. We're broke. <laughs> the country's gubbed. Was he not Prime Minister? No, he wasn't. It no. was about two months before he took over. Who was in charge then? It would have been Gordon Brown. Oh, I Chin thing. That woman over there. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was what brilliant. What a time. What a time. Let's wrap this up. I think we've... we've Thank God we've, for that. We've uh, bled this dry long enough. Four words we all needed to hear. <laughs> what? Yep. That's four. Yep. Bryce, thank you for your time. I'm not coming back. <laughs> Listen, if you're listening <laughs> to this, I apologise. Michael, Michael's done so well for like 187 <laughs> episodes or whatever it is, but this one... Well, I tell you this what, is by the off. way, by the way, you can just, tell it's closed season. Yes. And I was, you took the words right out of my mouth because there's only a few podcasts left before Christmas. Thank God for that. If you recall the same last year, the final episode of the year was presented by Bryce. Whether you like it or not, Alex, I'm hoping for a second to hear from you very quickly. Bryce, whether you like it or not, you're hosting and prepping the notes no for that episode. Alex seconded. Yep. Seems fair to me. Excellent. No problem. See how you get on coming up with an honesty <laughs> box that hasn't been done 160 <laughs> times before. <laughs> right, Bryce, thank you very much. Alex, thank you for your time too. Cheers, guys. To Callaway, thank you for your continued support. Sorry, for some Callaway. reason. Sorry, for some sorry. Reason. And thank you to you for listening. It'll get better next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.